Sean and Cass in bed in Maine where we get our best work done. It's the best light up here, so what are you going to do? Yeah, it's kind of a foggy, rainy day, classic Maine day. And uh, yeah, we're chasing the light. There's no one. In, there's nowhere in the house really to do this besides the top floor, this room, in bed. So that's that's, that's what you get if you're watching. I don't know if I like doing work in bed more, or like if I'm better at doing work in bed, but I do enjoy it more. Just like kind of mm. in a reclined position, kind of just you know, yeah, typing away. I'm I'm not that good at that. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I think when it's time for me to to fucking get shit done i need to be like properly sitting up and like in an area where i'm meant to be working you need a standing desk a guy like me yeah i mean who's constantly in training get real (laughs) (laughs) look i'm in my training outfit right now i woke up this morning it looked foggy out and i was like cool i'm gonna hit the streets and ready to run and then i go out to run and you're like it's pouring yeah sometimes you can't see the rain yeah you you can't really tell you know but whatever i've been training like a motherfucker how's that going great it's my life. That's my life. No days off. You know, it's just uh, uh, just trying to normalize getting five miles of running before I do anything. And uh, that's been going good. I've been doing that for some months now. Yeah, I'm on like five days. Yeah, that's for you. That's, Something. A, that's a personal world record for you. Yeah. You know, you're going <laughs> doing any exercise is a personal world record for you. <sighs> It's something you really uh, you resist for some reason, and it's it. I don't. It's crazy because you have this influence in your life that's like, let's go, let's do it, and you're just like, no, it ain't for me. And uh, uh, it just it sometimes it drives me fucking cuckoo. So I give you a pep talk. I wish I could attribute like you definitely gave me the pep talk, mm-hmm. and that really helped me. But it being in conjunction with we just did a book, um, read a book with like the book club and the Discord, and it's all about keeping balance like it goes into this world where in order to have like productive dreams or valuable dreams you have to kind of like keep your life in balance which means like not over exerting yourself but definitely not under exerting yourself which is where i lead Mm. lean so um mixed with like you being like stop the shit and yeah and that kind of like okay i can do this in service to something bigger like i can live more in alignment and balance and realizing like Okay, I really do live most of my life out of balance, mm. like stationary and that sort of thing. And I think that different people's baseline balance is different. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. I probably need to work out more than I do, but probably maybe not as much as someone like you that needs to like burn off some fire. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do. You've been you've been good. I think another big motivating factor. I worked this into my my uh, motivational speech towards you, like that our sex will be better. Yeah, that was the biggest factor. Yeah, that one works. I know. When you start incorporating that, just be like, yo, there's a dimension of our sex that we're maybe not tapping into because we're not as embodied because one of us never fucking exercises for some reason. I know. know? I'm like, I'm getting all suited up to go out there and you'll just watch me go out the door every day and do all this work and get fucking jacked and commit and fucking meet my goals. And you're just like, that's cool that's I'm psyched fine. for you yeah i'm very happy for you and i'm like yo what about our sex though like it, we could fucking take it up a notch let's do it yeah because i'm i have a big mind body disconnect that i'm working on yeah your head's in the clouds yeah i think so <laughs> i've been told that but it's okay it's i'm working on it you can work with these things uh, yeah absolutely 
it's uh it's that time of year you know it's back to school time so this is the best time to get out there because yeah in like the heat of the summer it's like brutal it's like painful like oppressive like you can't even breathe the, like the heat is just like yeah yeah well you're like already this is part uh, of your problem i'm on my excuse yeah train. this is uh, this part of your problem you slip so easily into it you don't even notice it you know well my people yeah well it's just it's summer days <laughs> aren't that good for me and then winter days don't really work fall is just a little too beautiful and mild to be running around out there <laughs> and spring forget about it i just don't even think about it but and talk about my period. like. Oh, yeah. No, de- you definitely, you know, you get your period and you're like, well, I need three months off from fucking exercising. And I'm like, what? what is this aversion? What the fuck is the issue? Yeah, you kicked my ass last time because I had my period and I was like, I didn't run for a week. And you're like. You didn't run for fucking two months. You had your period once and you didn't run for two months. I literally watched you just like throw away your good habits because you got your period. Yeah, because I get off that track. You know, there's a very, there's a track. Like, yeah. like, okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you get off that track and you kind of just reminded me like, hey, you know, mm. you haven't had your period in a little bit. Like, what's your excuse? Yeah. You know, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's only 75 degrees and perfect out. I, I, I can't see why I would be out there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you literally, it's funny because I don't even think you hear the excuses that you start feeding yourself, <laughs> you know. And well, look, that's what's I, good about accountability and having a partner who like, and that's what I like about our relationship so much is that you just call me on my shit and I need to be called on my shit. And I feel like it's not really fair that I put you in that position which, with uh, of giving you so much shit that you need to call me on, but... I appreciate it. I do. I do it less and less. There, there's there's not a lot of shit to call you on. There's a lot of shit to call me on, but uh, you're you're not necessarily in that game, you know. You, I mean, what, look, when it's time, you sometimes you, you're calling me on my shit, and I'm like, dude, do you know how much shit I don't call you on that you have a lot of shit too? You know what I mean? I'll yeah, say that sometimes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm just <laughs> I'm just looking out for like the bare minimum basics. Like, what do we need to? achieve a good day what do we need to achieve good sex to achieve good sleep to achieve uh moments of joy throughout the day and you know so i'm i'm like in in that like, you have a bigger simp- picture just it's like simple foundational you know like you can work out the details of when how we do that stuff but you know i'm just trying to set us up well yeah how could i get mad at you when you're like your motivation is for us to have a better relationship and a better life and for to live a, a long, healthy life. Yeah. It's not always fun to hear, but it's like, how could I argue with it? Yeah. We want to live a long life together. We want to have a lot of fun. So, and, and look, we're up here in Maine because your mom broke her foot because yeah. she's at an age where her body's not working for her as much. And what I'm trying to tell you now, so I know you're half her age, but like, just get the good habits. Like, so when you're not doing them, you feel it and you get back to doing them. It definitely is motivating being around someone who doesn't have full use of their body mm-hmm. to be like, I, I used to feel this all the way when I, all the time when I would go to my grandparents who have since passed, but you go to a retirement like condominium community and you're like, people are walking very slow and you're like, all right, I use it or lose it. Yeah. And also just to be grateful that you have something that you can move. You know, it's just like this gratitude check of like, oh, you, you're choosing not to like use your body, but you have this like, you're not always going to have this body that could run five miles or whatever it is. That's, that's the way I'm thinking about it. And then Mare sent us a video the other day of, uh, how old is that woman? 90? Yeah, 93 or 93 or something. 93 or some shit. And she looks like 
in her 60s and people like her family's like so what's the secret and she's like there really is no secret and she thinks about it for a second she's like well i never really have stopped moving my whole life you know i never stagnate i'm always working on something i'm always running around doing something in the garden out here playing with these kids doing it so just basically she's just talking about how she's gotten a lot of exercise you know she hasn't fallen into a sedentary lifestyle there seem to be a, a couple of components, like maintaining passions that like keep your brain alive seems to be really important. Yeah. yeah. Your dad somehow is uh, defying all odds. And I think it's partly just that, like he can't stop. He can't stop. So you could say now he probably hasn't done pushups in like 10 years, but I remember once I was like, drop and give me 20. And he did. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. He's fucking strong as hell. Yeah. He looks strong too. I, I don't know how it's possible. He's always dragging the hose up to the garden and it, you That's know. true. He, he is, he's always doing something. He's always going down the steps to take the recycling out or doing this like, like weird little stuff like that. And the, the vague outline of like six pack abs yeah. underneath <laughs> like fucking years of only drinking cream soda and eating goddamn like a gallon of pudding every night (laughs) but there is like a weird like there's definition under there and i'm pretty sure his main workout is just coughing his brains out for like 45 minutes every night when he smokes pot that'll do it yeah definitely just to start the day and end the day with like a coughing fit the likes of which like if people heard it they would be disturbed you know starting out and ending the day like that that's a good fitness routine that'll get your blood flowing exactly yeah um should we announce my new venture of course yeah uh i'm now doing i'm available for uh i guess we'll call it creative consulting you know yeah you're basically opening up your time to talk to people and i think i've heard you on the phone so many times giving like god damn forget like uh needing a coach all the time like a kicking the ass from you is like i don't know it's helped my life tremendously yeah yeah. um you're like you're able to see through things um and kind of call people on their shit and also like have a vision that um is what's necessary to like bring projects to the next dimension so i always hear you on the phone talking to people and like kind of breaking their brain as far as like how they were thinking about going about their project and and kind of just like reminding people what it takes. I mean, you've done 14 films or something insane and you never stop putting out stuff. So it's like, I think you have a lot of wisdom as far as yeah. how to do that. This would be the first time in my life that I even feel comfortable offering something like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so basically the deal is like, there's a link out there. We'll put it in the in the description, but schedule an hour or two with me. And um, there's a questionnaire you'll get when you schedule it and uh it's basically just like hey why why do you want to talk to me is there something is there a project or is there something you want me to check out before we go into this is there any goals you want to achieve and we could get into it and it's stuff i, I feel like i've been doing this kind of thing f- since i first made a film like people always like just like being like hey can i pick your brain and i've been wide open to it for like 15 years and i've done a lot of that stuff and now i'm like all right, I need to charge for my time a little bit for that kind of thing. Well, this is the modern era where we're all figuring out how we can work from home because that seems to be what's required of us. So we're all, 
uh, being adaptable and figuring it yeah. out. And Mare's had a lot of success and a lot of people have found a lot of value from doing booking readings with her. Yeah, she my, does astrological readings, which the link is also in the description. Yeah, my mom's going to do one with her today. Yeah. But I like, I think w- kind of the wisdom you have isn't just applicable to people who want to pursue film. You know, I think you have a way of kind of like reading a situation and, and kind of tapping people into their power. And um, yeah, I would. I, I I'm think, addicted to it. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because I've noticed over the years, like unless you really have been a fan of this podcast from day one, I don't think a lot of people know that version of me. That's like. The Sag Moon version. Get your fucking shit together. The what the fuck thrower. are you doing? Yeah, because I try to tamp that down on here. Even when, even a lot of people that like I, t- I call me for advice and this and that, I hold that part of me back because I'm like, I don't know, that's my trip. But, uh, and, and I don't want to bum, bum people out and I don't want to be like overly influential. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's my way of seeing the world. But as the years have gone by, I'm like, that could help people. I'm just not comfortable doing it unless they want me to do it. It's like a big consent thing. So you, if you give me money, cool. You're consenting to me fucking taking out the flamethrower. <laughs> Is you that know? how you see it? Absolutely. That's the only reason I'm doing Because I'm, I'm already doing this and I got a lot out of it. Like to me, being in service is... It just, that's the top of the mountain. Like what we're here doing with your mom right now. It's like, I feel happier than I could in any other facet of my life. And same thing when I'm like, uh, giving out advice or whatever you want to call this. Yeah. And I, but, I, th- I think what's best about your advice too, is like, you have to want a life of art and creativity, not necessarily like a lot of people are like, come to me and learn how to make money yeah. and learn how to like be a successful businessman and while i feel like you really have that those skills and wisdom your priority is like living in integrity and in in alignment and i think that um well because all that other stuff comes from from that yeah and i only know that from uh from living it you know the best the best things have happened to me and us and our career uh and our artistic pursuits when we've doubled down on it You know, when we head straight into the storm, when we say, all right, there's going to be sacrifices. That's cool. (laughs) We're down. We're down to do hard work. We're down to make sacrifices. We're down to get into um, a game with the universe where we're extremely devoted. And, And that's not I'm not talking about like religiosity. I'm talking about like devoted to uh, your friends, your family, your art, that kind of thing. I, I don't know. I've, as I've uh, as I've made more things and made more friends, uh, I feel like I've I've tapped into a wisdom that feels like it doesn't just apply to me anymore. Mm-hmm. So I want to share it. And like I said, I think I only really feel comfortable fully doing it. And you know, like I don't want to fuck up someone's project. I don't want to fuck up their momentum. I don't want to. But if you're coming to me like, yo, I need, I need, uh, I don't think you fuck up people's, I think the majority of people are stagnating in yeah. life because it's easy to procrastinate or stagnate or not know what to do next or be scared of taking the leap or the jump or also being so tied to perfectionism that you can't put anything out. Yeah. Um, there's like a lot of afflictions yeah. that we have in this modern society. And, and I've seen them all. 
Yeah. I've, I've seen them all. I've dealt with them all uh, either through myself or through you. <laughs> Mostly through me. <laughs> well, through myself, first and foremost, through you, secondly, through Mayor, third, and then every other fucking person that I know that's ever tried to make anything and get it out there. I've just, I've seen every angle. I've seen every excuse. I've seen every delay. I've seen the people that rush their shit out and it's just and it falls flat and i've seen people that are precious with their shit for 10 years 12 years 15 years and it, and it goes nowhere and they're not garnering any kind of momentum in their life so i think it, it's also valuable to get clear with what your priorities are and i think that you help clarify that like, yeah is your priority to make art and if it is like it's about the momentum to like mm -hmm. become the artist you wish to be yeah, yeah, there really is no workaround. And and that that's the main when when we put out a movie, that's like the main thing people want to know. They're like, "What's the shortcut?" And they often ask it in the form of like, "What camera and lenses did you use?" Like, "Oh, yeah, that's why this is a hit." Because of our camera and lens choices. That's the most often question I get asked about our movies. And I always say like, "That's somebody who's never experienced the feelings we're eliciting." in them through art they, they and they can't deal with it and they don't know how to compartmentalize and comprehend this so they're like uh this must boil down to some very formulaic mathematical thing that i can rep replicate it's not magic it's got to be something i can do what are the camera and lenses you use and it's just like i don't know that would be like obsessing about what strings Ger jerry had on his guitar it's like yo it, it it ain't the fucking wand it's the wizard you have to fucking get down with that mentality and just realizing you're a wizard and right. realizing that that there is art that wants to art and expressions that want to pour out of you and that a lot of us have gone to work damning that part of our our soul up and it starts to leak out in some ways and it starts to leak out in the form of anxiety and depression that's that's your your creative energy being mischanneled you know that's that's your creative energy being channeled into negativity and a negative story about yourself and there's a way to rechannel that there's a way to fucking let the dam loose and fucking fully go towards that form of expression whatever turns you on you know yeah when no. i was on the fence about what i am and what i'm doing it uh I never get the full fucking the the brunt of the benefits of it either, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, and I like, of course, want to see everyone's art, you know. And mm -hmm. I think that having allies in that process and people who have your back and and accountability is like so valuable. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the amount of uh, like right this week we're dealing with a kid who's like out there like in the world trying to get films funded and made and. He's got $5 million to get four films made, this and that. And I, 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 apparently, I talked to this kid once when he was in college, and it really turned him on. And, it, you know, it, now he's thinking about me 10 years later. I can think of, like, 10 people off the top of my head who you basically told to, like, quit their job. And it's not <laughs> like, it, like they, like, were on, like, an easy path, and their life has been easy since then. But, um... Because it's, it's, to quit your job is not, like, the easy path. Like, it's easy no. to just stay working for someone and stay in the grind. And, like, I mean, easy because you don't have to make those decisions or face the challenges of insecurity or instability. But the people who I know who you were, like, 
you should follow your passion and follow your art are like so psyched that they did and it's like led them on the most like beautiful journey and um made them cinematographers or documentary filmmakers or different types of artists or you know someone who like i don't know wants to make their own mark on this world yeah yeah and the meaning of life is to make meaning of your life and it's like and it's sitting there waiting for you and you get one shot at this and it I just hate to see so many people sacrifice it uh, for comfort and for something that they think is easy. And nothing is easy. So do the hard thing, which is become an artist. Like that to me, like because it's the most, it's the most fulfilling thing. Even like, I was tripping out on the other day while I was running. I got to give myself something to think about because I, like we raw dog it. It's like you're just out there, no headphones, nothing, just fucking doing it so i was thinking about though like how it really is in terms of what i know about uh human evolution this is like the first point in our history where we can really fucking do this like we were so concerned with survival for so long and now we get to concern ourselves with expression and i think a lot of people are really um they're caught on that threshold you know you face that dweller on the threshold that's sitting there it's a little troll that's fucking telling you like, nah, nah. And it's, and it's an amalgamation of all your fears and all of humanity's fears. And it's saying, concern yourself with your survival. Don't concern yourself with divine expression. And um, that's what, it's, it's a tough thing because that's, that's the first thing you're going to have to confront is you, the dweller on the threshold. Mm-hmm. And what do you want to do? What are you trying to do? You know? And it's really actually pretty easy to extract that from people even people who haven't even thought about that or conceived of it for themselves it's pretty easy to extract that yeah no and i think this this um give and take uh format of like someone because because you are in your pattern of like seeing things a certain way but like when someone else hears you express yourself they can hear things that you can't necessarily hear and and pick up patterns that you can't even see. You're like in the ocean. You can't see the water around you, but someone else can. And um, yeah, I just want to shout out also, um, Shanti on our Discord is doing dream interpretations, which um, is cool too. That's a great service. That's a great service, right? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think uh, he, he recommended a great book. What was the book you guys read for book club? The Kin of Ada is Waiting for You. Yeah, check that one out. Um, even just the cast describing this book to me turned me on. So Yeah, I know I wanted you to read it so we could talk about it. But yeah, it's... Um, well, it all happened so fast. You guys pick a book for the book club and then like a few weeks later, you're like, I'm done. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm like, yeah, it takes me like a month to fucking find the focus. To I know. That's book. why we right now are kind of picking like short accessible books because okay. it can be more challenging to like or daunting. That was rad, y'all. I, I, love, I love the book club and the art club. I want to do a film club in the discord too like where we all watch a movie together yeah that could even be a weekly thing like this everything, is the movie we're watching if anyone wants to talk about it pop in you know sunday at 10 p.m yeah everything has its season like the art club was really popping off for a little bit but then summer comes and everyone just wants to be outside but yeah. i can like kind of feel that energy coming up again and i want to evolve the art club because um into some a place where it's like okay yeah you can share what you've been working on and what you want to work on but like let's just do work together and so you can just like have this time where we set aside where it's like we're going to make something, you yeah. know, and you can either like I, I do another art group where we started doing this and it was like we were we do like inspiration based off images 
um, and take like five, 10 minutes per image. And like the stuff that I did, I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I could do that. You know, yeah. it's really fun. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, remember when we got to go to Portugal to, tr- to teach documentary? Yeah, that was really fun. And it was like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do with this place? Like, I guess I could sit up there and just talk, but like, there's kind of a language barrier. Like, there's definitely an age gap thing going on. I'm like, I don't know what would turn these kids on. So we just talked to them about spirituality and creativity and what we think creativity is. And um, we made a film with them. That was the only way to do it. And and it's like you see the difference between like sitting there and pontificating about what it would be like to go out there and interview somebody and just making someone do it. Because, man, that first day when all those kids came back, we're like, all right, cool. We've talked about this enough. Everyone go out there and talk to a stranger. Catch an interview with them. You all have cell phones. Like, go out there and film it. Let's do it. Let's all let's all collect some, some as many interviews as we can over the course of this week, and we'll put them together at the end. And that'll be a project that we've made together. And uh, it was so cool. But just seeing it, the, the kids, like, light up. And, like, they didn't think they could do it. And then they did do it. And then they realized how how hard it is to do to get the guts to do it. But then once you're doing how how easy it is. So stuff like that. I was uh, just seeing that transformation. It's, it's cool. It's cool. I feel like like I was saying, this is probably the first point in my life that I feel comfortable giving back in that kind of way. Like I've always been down to like let people pick my brain or whatever and just always caveat it with like this is just my this is just one man's opinion, this and that, but like I've collected enough wisdom and I've made enough things and now that I'm like, all right, I'm comfortable dishing it out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the karmic burden of it is its own dance of like, you know, influence. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean, everyone takes everything with a little grain of salt and you use what works for you, you know, Mm -hmm. it's pretty. Yeah. I'm actually going to talk to Devin today. About hypnosis. Devin Person? Yeah. The wizard? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, you want to get into hypnosis? Yeah, I I, uh, I do. I want to I try it more. I really like it. I want to self-hypnotize. I think everything in life is hypnosis. You know, we're all being hypnotized. So it's like I kind of just want to understand how to do it, perceive it, recognize it when it's happening. Um, it just feels like it's kind of like public speaking, just like one of those skill sets that you want to have oh yeah which i don't have the public speaking skill set because i literally can't imagine can't believe how nervous i get when i'm in front of people talking yeah but you kill it i don't know you kill it no sean it's okay you don't i don't kill it i don't kill it you know i had to do a best woman speech what is that called maid of honor speech that was just painful horrible I love my friend and I think I did okay, but like you, you did good. I know uh, I'm I'm so connected to you that I, I could tell you weren't hitting it the way you wanted to, but the like objectively the way it came off was like better than most. Yeah. Okay. I can do things better. Than but most, I knew what but you like, wanted, but to like, do, yeah. And then I, you know, someone had me read a, like, they were like, just why don't you do a reading, you know, before our ceremony? And I was so excited about it. I was like, oh, I'm going to, I had like all these big plans to talk about love and I have all these feelings about it. But when it came to put rubber to the road and write it, I just like, I couldn't do it. I just, I don't know. I just, it was like a circuits fry. It freaked you out. I get the yips, man. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I can't even get into a parking lot. It's like, um, it's a thing. You have, you have issues, uh, closing 
you, you, I'm you not have a issues closer. finishing. Yeah. You know, like you you could slay a seven hour drive, but when it's time to just pull into the driveway and put it in park, you literally like. It's like it uses a different side of your brain or you get something. Fried out. We get into a situation where you have to park, and you're like, what? Well, because I'm already thinking like, there's so many choices. Like, is this the right? One? Like, and it's like I can't. You can, you're good at committing. Like, I made a decision. This is the decision. I commit I, to the parking spot we're gonna get in front of Mayor's house before we even know it's available. Yeah. That's yeah. how fucking faithful I am and committed I am. And and you're like in a little bit more. Of like, oh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, and that's not even that. It's like. I get in the spot and I'm like, but is that one over there better? It's like, even when we got the campsite, I was like, but wait. Oh, you you guys. I killed you. You killed was, me. You, you just, you know, it's like, if there's one way to crush my spirit, it's that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, we pull into the campgrounds and I'm like, I have no opinion because no matter where we go, Cass is going to be second guessing it. So let's just let her decide. And you decide and we take out all of our stuff and set it up. And I see you scoping out other campsites. <laughs> There must I'm be like, some... this is just annoying. I like, know. This is, just, this is just like annoying behavior. Can you like commit to something? Can you just fucking be normal? I like... committed to you. I committed to you. I did. <laughs> you definitely did. You definitely did. Uh, you know, and the universe rewards that. It rewards a level of commitment. I think that's what we're talking about with like even the, the life of an artist and the life of a filmmaker or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, what the fuck makes me a filmmaker? Why why have I been saying I'm a filmmaker since I'm 16 years old? Like, what the fuck was that? Some sort of future memory? Like, mm-hmm. I have, I had no idea, you know? And I'm, I'm like, way past the point of, like, uh, just delusionally doing this. I'm really doing this at this point. I'm in my 40s now, you know? Your 20s is just, like whatever i guess i'm this thing you know and you you have a bunch of bravado and gusto about it and then your 30s is just like here's here's the decade to prove your fucking self at this shit and set yourself up and then it's like you start getting into no man's land after that you know a lot of the people i started out and were my peers at this thing when we started out together have have fallen off a good amount of them even a good amount of like our musician friends when we started out like are no longer making music, are no longer performing. It's a hard thing to have the wherewithal to to keep going. But I think something about the like just showing up and just showing up and playing your hand and keep playing your hand and keep showing up and playing your hand, that that kind of commitment gets rewarded for sure. I got to pee. Cool. You know what um, has been a big part of our life and our psyche? What? The past at least week. As we, we came up to your mom's and we we're like, um, well, we're about to be here for like a month and it's going to be intense. Like uh, trying just trying to find something to watch with her every night. You know, she winds it down kind of early, you know. So we've just been watching this series Ozark. Which somehow both of us, ha- all of us haven't seen it. Yeah, your, is... mo- your mom has seen every single fucking show and movie out there. There's nothing you can slip past her. I told her she should start a YouTube channel where she just, just does blunt reviews on these things oh, yeah. for people like her. Yeah. But um, somehow she hadn't seen Ozark and neither had we. And that was one of the shows like Mare of all people was like, y'all would love Ozark. And I'm like, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I fucking love it. I'm such a sucker. Shows have gotten so much better. Everything, like pretty much anything you tune into is like 
ridiculously good. Uh, we even watched the whole Derek Jeter series, The Captain. Oh, my. The Captain. Derek Jeter. Yeah. We're such fucking nerds. That was nerdy. That was that was as nerdy as it gets for us. Watching seven hours of Derek Jeter content. <laughs> Even when I think about fuck? it. Fuck. What were we doing? No, I mean, look. Let, the I first mean, three episodes were great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if we're talking about it on here, it was worth it. It was worth that seven-hour journey through there. And it wasn't poorly made. Like, I remember uh, we were like, I was like, whoa, Cass, there's a fucking... There's there's a two part Derek Jeter thing out and we're like let's watch it and we started watching it and then I realized oh this is seven parts and I was like I don't know if I can fucking watch a seven hour jag off about this guy but then we turned it on and right away like I was just like this is this is very competently made yeah they get into conflict and the larger scope of what was going on in baseball and it's not just like yeah it's about his childhood but it's you know and his parents and stuff like that but that's kind of an interesting story comparatively and um. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because he's like this guy who like broke all these barriers as uh, like the first black owner, you know, and like a very notable player. And I'll say like I like grew up with in New York with Derek Jeter. I never knew he was black. You no. know what I mean? Like we both look at him. We're like, he looks Italian. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. there's this like weird dichotomy of like, oh, so much congratulations and excitement and of Derek Jeter, you know, breaking barriers. And, and then it's like, this is the whitest black guy. You mm. know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're celebrating as if we can't look at him and be like, no, you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not important and stuff like that. And I obviously believe in, I, I think, yeah, he definitely went through struggles like coming up as a biracial kid, you know, yeah, for and sure. Like, um, in the eighties when things weren't as uh, evolved as they are today, but it, it th- this obsession with identity is, has gone, it, it's permeated everything. You can, you can rarely find a piece of content out there that isn't obsessed with identity in some well, way. It just felt like a way to like give his story, all this like grit and gusto where he like downplayed it his entire life until it's like in vogue to be like, until you know they're trying I mean? to fill seven hours of fucking content. Exactly. Like, what are we going to talk about? This is the most boring baseball player of all time. Like He is the most boring baseball player of all time. He was pretty good. But know what was the <laughs> best part of it, which I didn't realize, is that Derek Jeter, from like the age like you, of 16 or even younger, this was is, like... This is useful. I'm going to be the shortstop for the Yankees. The Yankees weren't even a great team when he was coming up. Nope. It was like his grandma it lived in Jersey and was a fan. Yeah. And that's what he would say. And just like he would he would say, it, I'm going to be the shortstop for the Yankees. And then he wasn't even on good baseball teams in, in middle school yeah. or high school or whatever. And he was in Michigan where like he, he was the top ranked high school baseball player in out the, of Michigan. In the nation. In the whole country. Isn't that crazy? And he, he didn't even have a winning team. So no, it's like his team sucked. He was he just was, good. He was well, he was obsessed. He was not only good, but he was obsessed with being like I want to be I'm going to be the top baseball player in our in the nation. Yeah. Like he learned the name of the guy or the teen kid who was that guy and was like I'm going to take that title. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And it's like he definitely like mad respect. He's got very determined. He's got that Michael Jordan thing. Oh, totally. Um, but oh. these are just extreme examples of like the stuff that Neville Goddard talks about and that Noah echoes all the time. And like, you know, so many of the great masters throughout time have 
have spoken to. If you don't have a vision, there's there's nothing there, you know? Yeah. I mean, he clearly made a lot of sacrifices as far as not really having, like, good personal relationships and good yeah. relationship with his I wife. I mean, he retired at 40 and fucking married the hottest chick ever and just, you know. He has the rest of his life to he'll be, be fine. Partner. He'll be fine. He was just focused for 20 years to keep a baseball career going for 20 years is is unheard of to stay on this on the same team for 20 years and be their starting shortstop when it's a team that will if you're slightly below if they're if their analytics are showing you're slightly out of line with with what the top in baseball is they'll get rid of you they don't care it's the yankees it's the evil empire and the thing is though like even though he was like really great he also would have been like a nobody on any other team there was something about him being on the yankees yeah he he definitely could have faded into obscurity on any other team but it's crazy he came along and they started winning championships and they started being called a dynasty and um the one thing i will hand it to him because if you look at his career statistics there's there's many better players from his era a-rod and they talk about this in the documentary alex rodriguez far superior defensively but did he have what it takes to win and that's what teeter teeter just kept saying like he like you have to see yourself winning and win yeah well well but they he he had what it took to do like a rod is gifted in another way he's just more self-centered you know jeter was like i want to i'm going to be not i want to i'm going to be the shortstop for the new york yankees and I'm going to do my job well and help deliver championships to that team. Whereas A-Rod is like, I'm baseball's superstar. I want the focus on me. I want to be the top person on any team. I want media attention. He just handled everything way different and achieved it. He's he's a household name. He's a, he's a, sports broad, he's a highly paid sports broadcaster. He's pretty good at it. Whereas D, you know, Jeter... He was, a sh- owns a shitty baseball team. He owns a shitty baseball team, <laughs> and he got pushed out as CEO because he's not that good at doing all that stuff. He was a great focused athlete, you know. Oh, but also we watched the Magic Johnson thing, mm-hmm. and it's really impressive. Like this mentality, how people, whether it's Michael Jordan who now owns the Charlotte Hornets, or but then seeing what Magic Johnson did, like the dynasty he creates, just with like movie theaters and everything oh, else. Oh yeah, well he was the he's the OG. Um, you know sports person to like turn it into being a billionaire and like post your career it's it's pretty crazy but um you don't have to watch the captain starring Derek Jeter on, no we'll on watch ESPN it for Plus. you we watched it for you <laughs> the best takeaway from it is uh and I really got a lot from it I really did get a lot from it to to be immersed in someone's world for that amount of time and just seeing the focus and Man, the fucking media in New York are brutal, and they're always just looking for anything to sell papers. And uh, he just, all kinds of shit. Every season, different shit was getting thrown at him. And baseball's no joke. It's 162 games. I love that at like 38 or 39, they were like, the owner came up to him or the general manager was like, you got to work on your agility and all this yeah stuff. like like you're sagging as a shortstop like you're not you're not top tier shortstop and he's like okay yeah and it's also like what he does really well and jordan has this too and i think you have this too is like <laughs> this i'm whatever cheater jordan and done um <laughs> whatever i'm your biggest fan I appreciate um that. is really use the underdog thing or the doubts as like fuel yeah you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people get 
you lose a lot of relationships because you you're using someone said something not great about you you take what someone else might be like oh i forgive them it's not a big deal but you're like no i need to make this this little small comment something huge because it has to be something for me to battle yeah and go to war mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. christopher the mill you Some- just you, you use that you know you don't uh internalize it and and make it you know a part of your sob story you turn it into the motivation you need. I sound like Jocko right now. Yeah. You re-engage. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you're headed, Sean. But you, I mean, I don't know, maybe. You, you, but you really, like, uh, how far vision and focus can take you in life. Uh, it's, you have the world at your fingertips if you have those things. If you have vision and focus, you can do anything. Everything else is just static, and you got to start seeing it as that. And, and, and you can turn it into motivation. You can turn people's debt. Like, for me, like, I, I don't even know. Like, I, I, like a lot of people that, that got into, like, filmmaking or this or that, like, say, like, oh, yeah, my parents didn't believe I could do this and that. Like, my parents kind of didn't doubt me for some reason. I was like, I'm going to be a filmmaker. And they're like, okay, Sean. I you think know. they were glad you had something that you wanted to do. They, were, gl- you wanted to follow. they were glad I just wanted to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no offense to her, but like my sister was coming out of, of high school, the valid Victorian of uh, of our high school, top of her class, like full scholarship to wherever she wanted to go. And she didn't really know where she wanted to go or what she wanted to do. There wasn't like a solidified, like, okay, cool. I achieved this and I'm going to roll this right into that. And, you know, with some guidance from my mom, she found her passion in life, which is social work, which I can't, there is no higher calling than to do that job. Um, but for me, it was art and filmmaking and I didn't know anyone that did that. And I still don't know a lot of people that do that. And I didn't That's doubt myself and my parents didn't doubt me, but the whole world did because it's the odds of being successful at that are extremely low i would think this might be controversial territory for me to get into but i think there is something like about the feminine masculine energy and some women are have more masculine tendencies and some men have more feminine tendencies but there is this like action versus reaction or receiving versus doing Mm -hmm. and i was the same way like my mom didn't she just was like wanted me to be an artist so she always pushed me towards She's like, okay, but you have to take one art class every year, mm-hmm. you know, like you have, mm-hmm. like, and my dad pushed me towards sports. She's like, you have to do one sport every semester. But like, she really held my hand through, like, I was like, I just want to go to trade school because yeah. <laughs> I don't want to continue learning about chemistry or whatever it is. You wanted to go towards uh, contentment and survival and No, I wanted to be a hotel manager or uh, get my MBA and like do, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it. Like yeah. I run a business, you know? Yeah. But I kind of wanted to skip to that stage. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I guess I just uh, mirror your sister's experience of like needing that little extra attention. Uh, I think, which I is think... a huge privilege to have parents who can like give that attention to you and someone who can like believe in you and help you reflect. Like, okay, what is it that you like, and what did that? What would yeah. that make sense? And someone who understands like what's going on in life. And like my mom always said to me. At 27, I didn't even, the job, the career she ended up having, she didn't even know it was a job that existed. Yeah. You know, and that always helped me, like, get through. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, I have time, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely always time. There's always time (laughs) to find new passions and to switch it up. And, you know, I'm I'm glad we have a container for our passions because our our interests are very varied and we can kind of filter them all through the medium of documentary film, which is really cool. 
Yeah, I have so many things that I want to do that it's like, I'm very grateful. I think it's, that's like kind of, I remember being like 16 and being like, had a boyfriend at the time who had a lot of passions. I mean, Mm. it was like cars and music and stuff like that. No shit on that. But um, I was just like, you care about so many things. I don't even care about anything. Chicks love that shit. It's it's like, that's a little tip for, for the guys out there. Babes, babes love when you got like a little something going on. Like it doesn't even like it just if you care about something, you know, mm-hmm. like babes love it, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of babes end up just on someone else's trajectory, like their boyfriend's trajectory. And I went to enough car shows and watched him work in his car enough times. I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that life would have been for you. <laughs> I got to figure something else out. <laughs> I got to figure out what I want to do. But by the time I met you, you seemed to fully know. Like, I think that's why we clicked so much in the first five minutes that we met. It was just like, I was 28 and I'm like, I'm doing this. I've only made two movies, but I'm making my third and I'm going to keep fucking doing it. And I know we both looked at each other and we're like, we want to make documentaries that aren't like typical documentaries. And at the time that was really rare. It wasn't like everyone and their mom wanted to make a documentary. Mm -hmm. So it was special at that moment. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that it's, uh, it's blown up as a genre mm, mm-hmm. there's a there's a really cool graph on reddit like um showing the different genres of film and from from the invention of the medium till now and like which ones were popular and like documentaries like down here and then like in the 2000s just explodes just like how many documentaries have been made since the year 2000 compared to how many were made before it's like it dwarfs it whereas like you know westerns were like very much at the beginning and then it trails off and other you know you just watch all the genres i think everybody has one documentary in them you know what i mean yeah then they, they should everyone has one documentary in you like and the thing is is like i i've talked to a lot of people that maybe documentary is not their thing but they're like i have this thing i really care about and i want to document it so do it like we literally made trump rally on our cell phone yeah. and like people at Vice call, called you and were like, "Hey, what camera and lenses did you use?" <laughs> well, they were like, "This is really good." Like, who are you? Because they didn't they didn't connect the dots with the other that the other guys at Vice who had called you in after American <laughs> Jungle and every you know what I mean. But like the guys who called you in after Trump rally, a film we made on our cell phone, didn't realize the body of work you already had, and they were like, "Whoa, where did you come from?" And it was just that validation, I think, Wizard, not the wand, but also that like movies can compelling movies can be made on your cell phone and Mm -hmm. like the stuff that we love is like the rawest stuff on youtube you know what i mean i want to get little visions into other people's worlds i mean this is why we do this you gotta you get a sneak peek into our fucking crazy wild and wild and wonderful adventure (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's it's funny because i feel like when i first started out um, making documentaries it just felt like the wild west it feels like oh wow anything's possible and people were making all kinds of weird and interesting things and it's just kind of like gets co-opted and commodified and formulated like, and stuff yeah like that. and it just gets like like i don't know it just like even five years ago it just felt like much more exciting array of films was being presented and now it's like been whittled down to this formulaic you know paint by numbers type of documentary filmmaking which works for someone like you who always wants to break the mold you can't help it but to like not want to do what's been done before so i think it helps you like stay on the crest of a wave in a way that people maybe don't recognize until that's fine i don't care if they recognize it i'm i'm way past that that point you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. yeah i don't who gives
gives a shit. Like, I think we've made some, some innovations and done some things that then become, you know, standard operating procedure in other people's films and, and, but then you're like, well, everyone's doing the standard operating yeah, procedure. So it's like, it well, there's new territory for mm-hmm. you. And that's what's exciting because it's like, oh, all right. Well, it's like my job to take this further now. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's my job to do make documentaries in a way that people haven't didn't even know documentaries could be made mm-hmm. or the way they could like feel or the feelings that they could give you or breaking out the rules of how it's presented. And yeah. And that's why we immediately respected the Jeter one is because it didn't feel like they followed like a formula of like bah, 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 bah. it was just like whoo like yeah. what's the most fucking interesting thing yeah. and I, that's what i've always respected about you is like you're like okay what is just gonna feel good let's yeah. feel good you well know? i mean or feel anything feel something know? yeah exactly and and uh respect the audience enough to know that they can draw their own conclusions you don't have to fucking spoon feed it to them that definitely yeah. seems to be like a marker of great art though is like it can make you it make you makes you feel something yeah absolutely it helps connect you with other people because it's like one of the i think most potent ways that we can form connections mm-hmm. with someone else is like by the creation and consumption of art absolutely yeah i mean the creation of it i can speak very well to is made me who i am because if I want to do this for the long haul, I got to keep expanding my consciousness. I have to keep breaking through into new territory of my own soul. Yeah. And, and not, then it'll be reflected in the films, of course. But. And I think also not mark your success by like, oh, did I get a Netflix deal or whatever it is? It's like this half the documentaries on Netflix are like the fucking stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Not half. Fucking Most. the vast majority. Yeah. And and it's fine. Like we'll watch them, and we'll I'm have grateful. Our, we'll have our criticisms. I'm so grateful, like that. Gibney has done like every, almost every topic. Like I want to see Gibney do every topic, but that doesn't mean there's not room for like Dunn to do that topic too. Because he, every artist, nobody does, would do it like me. You know? Yeah, we always get upset that people are stealing our ideas because we've seen it happen a million times. Do a, we are pitching Cam Girls to uh, HBO. They hold us up for a bit. We make this beautiful film that they're like, okay, we're not doing it. And then we see they make cam girls, which they hadn't even known what a cam girl was when we had this meeting with the head of documentary. And then six months later, we see a shit out documentary series with cam girls that's done completely via Zoom and Skype. And this is pre-pandemic. So it's like, man, it really, it really grinded our gears. It really second. chapped my ass. <laughs> I mean, it does for a second, and then you're like, "Oh, cool, all right." You didn't. I get it. You're a business. You didn't want to pay us three hundred thousand dollars to make this. Instead, you wanted to just use interns and just shit out the the what you, what they think is the same thing because mm-hmm. they're just covering the same topic, but it's completely different. Like we're we're working on this. Um, we're developing this series now, the family trip, and. The people we're developing it with, they're, they're hilarious. Like this, um, what, who did the thing? Oh, the Michael Pollan. Remember that Michael Pollan book, How to Change Your Mind? Mm-hmm. They they made a Netflix series out of it. You watched the whole thing. Yeah, it was um, it was great. Yeah. They, they did a great job. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. psyched they did it. I'm psyched that exists. I'm psyched that that's a resource now for parents and stuff like that or any anyone it's like a lot of stuff that probably everyone watching knows yeah but like really broken down in a way that's makes sense and compelling and i just like 
want this generation that was so spooked off these drugs and was fed so much misinformation and so much fear stuff to like kind of absorb it and be like, oh, these these are actually tools that can be used and they don't just fry your brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the people were the, the people were partnered with on this immediately. They, they hear about and see that series and they're like, oh, fuck, they stole or they, they did uh, whatever, you know, now we can't do it. And it's like, no, now we can do it. Our even, way. E- even more artistically, we don't have to cover that. They, they're taking psychedelics mainstream and we're going to be able to fucking push off of that to take documentaries about psychedelics way further and way more experiential than like the thing that's going on now, which is just like sit down interview and cut away to the same footage we've all seen of people in the 1950s on LSD getting fucked with by doctors and soldiers taking it and not being able to kill people. And like, we've all seen that. We've all seen those stories. We know all that shit. We know what LSD does, but like now this series exists that just is like the Wikipedia entry for this shit. And we can take it much further. And uh, yeah, I think I think that carves out space for our films to be much more relevant. You know, totally. We don't have to. But it's funny when you get when you get met with that fear response by someone who's maybe never made any art themselves, and just seeing how someone's like so stuck in that mindset that they can't even feel ours. You know, like and it, ours is just like who cares mm-hmm. like whatever we're still going to dominate we, we're we'll, we're still going to fucking crush it at this this is still going to be a hugely successful important series probably more so now that other people are playing around in that territory we do not have to be the canary in the coal mine for this shit and i feel like we were in a lot of ways with the with the short films that we made sweet nothing and joshua tree you know but yeah we're, we're we were just, like can we even do this like film people can tripping. you film people tripping and uh and and do it in an authentic way that's not fucking up their trip where they can where they can be introspective and we can make it in a in a visceral way where someone the viewer doesn't have to take that drug and they can experience it i think that's really cool yeah for us it's like definitely been like our filmmaking process is like you always say it's like a spiritual quest but it totally is because this might sound pretentious but like there's like a way that i think you and i have just had to like i don't want to say purify that's what sounds bad but like continue to humble ourselves and get to the place of like being more present because that's what serves being present with someone in a moment Mm -hmm. and if you can be present in a moment then you can authentically capture that moment without disrupting the energy you know yeah. something something yeah, to exactly. that that's what it comes down to and i'm still learning every day how to do that you know what i mean like learning how to like settle into a moment so that we can capture the moment as authentically as possible yeah yeah it's i mean to me it's good to have motivating factors to try to grow in that way and it's not all on you you know it it is in some ways a, a lot of it but like I, i'm the one that the subject has to like latch on to sometimes you throw me to the wolves though sometimes you're like you know what i mean oh yeah of course (laughs) i mean i'm reading the situation like and there's no one answer for how to deal with this situation and that you just kind of sometimes you put me in there sometimes you put me in there and like we're doing an interview and then after you're like cast like you were a little like you know intense and like you know you got to calm down i'm like 
this is your job. I'm doing what I have to do my job and your job. What are you doing to me? You know what I mean? And I don't always nail it, but sometimes I think that you've been like, all right, let's see how it goes. If we let Cass be the one who asks the questions and it doesn't always play out as well. And I'm like, well, that's your fault. Cause, but, but you got to understand what I'm doing in that situation. What I'm doing is like, okay, this person knows they got hired to be the subject of a commercial documentary that we're making. And they're expecting a certain level of question and answer that I'm just not really that like hyped on doing. And I don't want them to associate that with me. So I'll, yes, it is me throwing you to the wolves. I know. It's me, it's me saying, okay, I see what you're expecting right now. I'm going to give you a taste of that and what that feels like. By the time you start talking to me, you're going to take on a whole different persona because <laughs> you're going to feel like that part of it's over. Yeah. The, the formal part of it. The thing you're expecting and you have always seen in documentaries, Cass just did with you. Now I'm going to come in and have a little conversation with you and that's what we're going to end up using. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm doing. Yeah, no, it's You fine. know what I'm doing. It's, it's not, it's not um, laziness or I don't want to do my job or I don't care about this. It's literally like, oh, I see this person's overprepared. That's not what I'm going for. Cass is overprepared too. <laughs> you guys can meet there, do your little thing burn out that energy and then I'm going to come through and not even ask a question. I'm not even going to fucking say anything. I'm just going to fucking cut through all of that shit and you're going to end up saying something or doing something that is so a reflection of your purest form that people are going to be able, people from across the world are going to be able to see and relate with that. You know, there's no amount of, to me, questioning or, or little, you know, strategies that you can come up with beforehand that can replace someone like me who knows what I want in the final product, knows how to get it, and know it's not going to be like, uh, like I'm saying, a paint-by-numbers type of formula to get there. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. You can use me as a tool whenever you want, however you want. I'll do it. It's It's worked out great, you know. Like, I feel like for, like, Florida man... I was throwing you to the wolves in terms of like, you'd be the first person our subjects would see, you know? And I would wear the shortest shorts. Yeah, you're, wearing, <laughs> you're just like being a hot chick down in Florida, like just hanging around with your cute eyes, just like looking at people and they would see that and be attracted to it. And, and you know, behind that facade, there's four boys with cameras and <laughs> <laughs> and sound equipment and like... You know, we come in and we get the that we just capture that fucking weirdness. You know? I love it, though, because of the moments where it's like you weren't in the room or I caught, was doing something with Isaac or whatever. I'm like, when I watch the film, I'm like really proud of those moments. Yes, I, directed I was that like, one. I did that one. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. No, you have. You've done some of our most iconic scenes in our <laughs> movies like have been like I had nothing to do with that one. <laughs> those guys in Florida, man, like that we were just driving by and they were walking around and you just rolled down the window. It's late at night. You just rolled down the window and you're like, hey, can we talk to you? And they're like, uh, sure. Yeah, whatever. And you went into their place. Yeah. And and they're talking about the prostitutes and everything. And it's like Beavis and Butthead. And they're just like sitting there laughing like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like a little nurse laughing probably because they're telling they're, me they're about they're the prostitutes. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh, my God. I love that scene. And Isaac's camera work. Like he starts in on this one guy and he's just like pulling back and it's revealing this fucking weird ass room that these guys are in. And then you see the other guy that's with him. It's just like it's it's fucking brilliant. And uh, that's what we in the business we call 50 50. When the director just moonwalks out and just let a natural moment take place there. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
That's and look, and the the movie we're currently making is filled with that shit. You know, it and it feels like that. It's like we're mining for authenticity, and a lot of times when a camera's around, it kind of just like disrupts that whole process. And I guess a lot of people that are doing this are fine with that, and fine with people you know, coming off as like the prim and proper version of themselves. But like, I don't want to settle for that. I want someone to be real. Well, we're just trying to get something like very visceral and of the moment. And a lot of movies, especially documentaries, they have to like cover what has happened before. It's like a completely different dance and art form in a way. And uh, yeah, it's kind of nice that like, we're like, okay, we'll leave that to other people. Like I'm psyched that we just watched the Woodstock uh, train wreck, Woodstock 99 on oh, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. We were waiting for this one because we saw the one on HBO. Yeah. And, you know, we're obviously fascinated with Woodstock 99. What's not to love? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> the party of the century. <laughs> the party of the, of the millennia. <laughs> God. We can't help it, though. Every time we watch it, we're like, all right, if we were in this situation, how Oof. would we do it? Because it's such a shit show. It's like mm. the worst festival ever thrown. Yeah. I mean, that's a judgment, but in a lot of ways, it's just horrible. Yeah. Um, Just like set up for failure, you know, expensive waters, no bathroom, no trash pickup, just like fucking no security. Talk about throwing people to the wolves. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, in the so, middle of the summer, uh, fucking 100 degree days, no shade. Like, that yeah. was the thing we kept noticing on this one. Like, I was like, I, I'm obsessed with every wide shot that they show that there's no shade. No there's, trees, there's no tents, no nothing. There's nothing. People are just frying. Yep, frying out And there. we're so, I mean... We're very particular to the vibe. Mm -hmm. So we always are like, all right, we go in a situation like, okay, where are we going to set up? Like, where's our water? Okay, how are we going to make this like as comfortable for how us and our sleep? homies as possible? How are we going to get water? How are we going to eat? How are we going to have sex? How are we going to get shade? Yeah. You know, so we can enjoy the music, so we can enjoy people, so we can enjoy our trips. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we both agreed that we would uh, probably have lasted the first night and then gotten the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. We're not the type to be like, oh, we, we bought these tickets and we have to fucking... I have like, to see Limp Bizkit. No, it's like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, care Yeah, when what the fun's over, we're out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When the fun is not accessible, we're out. Yeah, yeah. So, it's. It, I mean, it is fascinating to watch. Like, it's a great title, Trainwreck, because... It's what it is. It, it it was a train wreck, and it was happening. It's a fast moving train that there was like no, there's no stopping it. Yeah, you know, it just like gets keeps building momentum in a way. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's crazy, and uh, it was a disaster. It was it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. It was a disaster. Disaster Friday night. Jesus Christ. We would have been so gone. We would have just read the vibe there and been like, cool, this is. But what's fascinating and what's beautiful about documentary is like a lot of people chose to stay there. Those people are not like us. I want to learn from them. I want to see who they are. I want to see what they have the to say. The people who swam around in the mud and feces and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And left probably being like, that was the best weekend of my life, you know? And and they did. And I'm yeah. sure it was for a lot of people. And I'm sure yeah. it was the worst weekend of a lot of people's lives, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th that was that was a big takeaway on that one is, is you know, they, they like they have this one girl who it's like 22 years later and she she's just talking about just just all the horror and atrocities and the suffering that she was witnessing and fucking had to go through to be there. And then there's, a, it cuts to an interview of her on Monday morning of, of Woodstock 99. And she's this 14 year old girl. And they're like, she's just talking about all this stuff. Like it was fucking crazy. I don't know. 
and the and the interviewer is like, uh, "Would you do it again?" And she's like, "Oh, absolutely, without a doubt, without a hesitation, absolutely." This is kind of like a it's like kind of like a vision quest for people. I oh think. yeah, the, the, kids they, need to party. Yeah, well, but they need to party, but then they they needed to go through something, you mm-hmm. know. And it felt like it united that crowd in a way, and it didn't turn out good. They 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 ended up burning the place down. But I had a lot more sympathy for the like when I watched the one on HBO. I was like, these fucking assholes. Like, these are monsters. And then watching the one on Netflix, I'm like, I probably would have been burning this place down, too. Like, yeah. these festival con- people, like, they fucked these kids. Oh, yeah. And these kids were fucked to make money. Yep. I would have fucking been tearing that place apart myself. Absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, it's a good thing that those kids did that and they tore that place apart because I think it sent a message. But obviously the message wasn't that well received because oddly Woodstock 99, even though it was a disaster, became like the prototype for all the festivals that are going on now. They just take a little better care of you, but they're still looking they're still looking to fleece you and they do. And, you know, it's it's not the best conditions and it's all based on greed and the crazy thing is like that's what the the organizers of that festival were that's all they were tuned into that was their their highest intention was money Mm -hmm. and when they first did this the highest intention was peace and love right and look how the two turned out look at one they were trying to to like 99 they're like how do we corporatize peace and love like yes yeah. How do we show peace and love without actually being it? It, it was just know? such a a beautiful warning shot for what things became because there, what it was was them saying, "How do we present the facade of peace and love while really just fucking having corporate greed be the name of the game?" And that's on, that's been the name of the game ever since. It was before that, but. Um, just this idea of just like as long as we present the facade of that we've covered our bases Mm -hmm. and you know that's what that's what identity politics is all about that's what all the stuff that that all the mess we're in now is all based on that type of attitude and that's the that's the neoliberal mindset is just just as long as it presents well well you see who gets hurt the most i mean the amount of sexual assault and rape that Mm -hmm. took place it's it's uh, when you don't take care of people, it's the women who suffer. Oh, of course. Uh, you know. Yep. Because it's, with all due respect, it's uh, yeah, the more powerful gender mm-hmm. uh, takes advantage of the least less powerful gender and takes what they want when they're not given what they need. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gnarly. Gnarly. But I, I thought that was it was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> the documentary. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's it was drawn out, of course, like everything. It's it's, it's three hour slog to get through it. But, but we didn't have to be there, and we were there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, we got that was to cool. experience it from the comfort of our own home. Like, yeah, yeah. Didn't have to sit through a whole like Limp Bizkit thing or yeah, Cheryl Crow or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they did do a Woodstock uh 94 and i remember thinking that was pretty cool i watched that on pay-per-view when i was a 13 year old lad and uh you know green day played i just i'm sorry back to 99 i just love how you know the red hot chili peppers um corn you know rage against the machine like limp biscuit biscuit, like a lot of people blame them because they incited riots but like that's their music. They were, they had 
a hu- the hugest crowd they, they were ever going to play. They with. were ever going to play in front of, and you wanted them to not scream, yeah. f- like fire and burn it down and yeah. like break stuff. Yeah, break stuff and like yeah. that's their song. That's their thing. They like they did their job incredibly to no, the fullest you, extent. You, you can't you can't blame the artists. Of course, that's who is going to end up taking the blame, and that's who everyone wants to blame. Fred Durst and like yeah, the guy was a fucking quintessential douchebag but like oh yeah what are you gonna do it, these people were all very much aware from that if they weren't aware before they hit the stage when they did hit the stage they were aware of the moment that they were in yeah they're playing to two hundred fifty thousand people who are there to see them and they lived it up and they yeah. they did it up and i kind of like yeah. respect that like yeah i respect that red hot chili peppers like fire started and then like the, the last song the, the, they, yeah well uh, like a fire started out in the crowd and they pulled them off stage and they were like yo whoa like we, we need to calm, calm this, this to down him. and uh and then they realized like oh stopping the music is that ma- not making it any better like get back out there and they went into a cover of Jimi hendrix fire yeah you know john frusciante on guitar like flea completely <laughs> naked playing bass it was it was fucking sick but it drove it, it made people uh even more insane yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it, you it's look all beautiful. The, yeah, you look at the crowd of people, like the wave, like where people, like their feet aren't even touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Like people are just getting pulled. And, and it's so dangerous. Yeah. And I would have hated it every yeah. second of it. Yeah. We went to a Rancid show at Terminal 5. I'm still pissed at Rancid. Like I'm You're still- You're mad at the band. I'm, yeah, I'm mad at the band. I'm like, fuck these bros. Like, fuck these guys. Because I was like- we're in the back. I was in the back of a huge venue and I'm like getting pulled off my feet and getting like, and like there's something I guess cool about that, but like I didn't want that. The whole place became a circle pit. Yeah. And I, I go into the pit when it's a band I like. I'm like, I don't even care that much about Rancid. So being in the back and getting like in a pit, I'm like, yeah. fuck these guys. I, I think someone gave us tickets to that or something. I don't even know how we ended them. up at that thing. But I just, but it but turned like, you off big time. No, because it's like I didn't have control of my body anymore. Yeah. Of where I wanted it's to terrifying. be. It's terrifying. It was so scary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I protected you though. Yeah, of course. I know how to handle that situation because I went to, I think it was... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one way. It's, it's a lot more stressful um, when I'm in there with, with my beautiful baby girl, you know. <laughs> yeah i mean the one thing you have going for me is that i'm kind of tall yeah you know yeah i was in that situ. i was in that situation at uh i think warp tour 1999 or 2000 mm-hmm. and uh no effects was one of the headliners and that was the band everybody was there to see including me and my girlfriend my cousin and all of our friends like we were psyched so like we're like getting into the crowd right before no effects goes on and before they even go on and mind you, this is at Randall's Island, and they they chose to put the stages like on the softball field, so it's just all dirt, and it hadn't rained in weeks, so it, the whole place was just dust. You were literally coughing up and sneezing out dust for like a week after, like mud was coming out, like mm-hmm. it was it was insane. So we're we're all after a day of breathing that all day, we go into the epicenter of it, and we're get, we're psyched because it's our first time seeing no effects, and they come out. And it's probably a crowd of five to 10,000 people standing in front of the stage. And the whole, it, it just, the second they hit their first note, dust cloud comes up. The whole thing turned into not just like one circle pit, like 19 little satellite circle pits everywhere. Just insanity, pure chaos. And like me and her are just like 
like you're saying, feet off the ground. We're just getting moved with the crowd and neither one of us could breathe. We were just started panicking and it was like the eject button in that situation is just crowd surf on out. So yeah. I boosted up Kathleen, boosted myself up and got the fuck out of there. And uh, we just watched the band from way further away and paid the price in terms of, like I said, fucking sneezing up mud for a week. But that was the most terrifying. Like, that's when I really first encountered, like, whoa, a crowd of people is, like, it's dangerous, scary as hell. Let me see what happened with, what is it, Travis Scott or what? I guess. Yeah, that rapper guy, Astro World. Yeah. Fucking horrible. I mean, it, it it happens all the fucking time. Yeah. It happens all the time. Not just at concerts, just any large gatherings of people. But mad respect to the people who, like, get in there and fucking power through it. And, yeah. like, want to be part of, like, a larger organism. I think there is something, like, where you kind of, like, sh- it is, like, an ego dissolvant. Like, mm-hmm. and, the, and the beat drops and you're just, like, Vroom, you know? Like, yeah. there and is something awesome about that. if you don't start dancing with the crowd you're you're swimming upstream and it's gonna be extremely uncomfortable and dangerous yeah for people like us who like to go to our own beat it's not the best (laughs) no 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 i've 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 done uh, i've just done countless fucking mosh pits and insane crowds and stage diving and crowd service i've just i've done it so many times i've broken my ankle in a in the middle of a fucking circle pit like i've I've seal crawled out (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, I was way too old for that. I was like oh, fucking man. 29 years old. Yo, I'm glad I had my time with you in the mosh pit, like because yeah. when we got together, I was younger and like 21 or 22. Just experiencing like punk music live. Yeah, and doing my first crowd surfing and like just having a great time. Um, but then I saw enough girls like coming out of the pit with a bloody nose, and I yeah. was like, I think my days at this are done. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I just like there's a certain point where you're like, I don't want to hurt myself. Yeah, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. Like yeah. the odds are just against you. Like I'm like I fucking survived those those times. Now let's yeah. get the fuck out. But of here. I mean, there's shows we've been to. Like I think of, um, like Bouncing Souls do those uh, Home for the Holidays shows at Stone Pony in New Jersey. Yeah, I, I love those shows. So like fun. it's like Bouncing Souls headlines, and then they get like three awesome bands to open. And we saw one that was Plow United, Left Ch- Cry, Choking Victim. Oh, Choking Victim. Okay. And uh, and Bouncing Souls, and I'm like. I worship all three of these. These are three that was a really pivotal bands for me. We show up and it's like they clearly oversold this club. They sold way too many tickets. Like you can't even walk around in here. So that becomes a situation where the smartest thing you can do is be right in the pit because that's the only place you have breathing room. I always go behind like... I go to, I kind of like right a, at the back wall of the pit, back just wall kind of the being pit the person that's behind just the like, security guard <laughs> is like kind of what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you just got to assess the situation. Once I went to there. a lamb of God show. Holy shit. And, uh, I had like, I was against the wall and just had to be like this the whole time. Even that's barely going to protect you in a situation like that. I got out of there. I just fucking puked. Really? It was just like so much sensation. I just yeah. had to like, whatever, get, expel it. Yeah. Um, this has been a great conversation. I have to pee. Do you want okay, to maybe cool. wrap it yeah, up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening to us ramble on. Ramble, ramble on, yeah. Rambling on. Um, yeah, again, I'm doing like uh, creative consultations slash spiritual tuning slash kicking the balls pep talks. Uh, you can you can book those. There's a link down below. Join our uh, Patreon. There's lots of bonus podcasts on there that are just too hot for YouTube. Oh, 
and the Discord, which I just started an AI art channel where oh, you can create yeah. AI art, which is, I think, the funnest thing ever. Yeah. Um, where you just like put in a couple terms and then instantly this AI art will generate things for you, which oh, is just man. like... Oh, man, we've been having some fun with I'm that. I'm already having a lot of fun with it. And uh, if you want to be in the next book club, we're doing The Alchemist, which I'm obviously have been meaning to read for a while and now I'm doing it. Yeah. And a lot of people are reading it again because they're like, I want to read it again. So this That's should be a fun really conversation. Cool. Yeah, so if you want to be part of our Discord or hear our secret podcast with me and Joey, that's called Boys Club. And you guys are fools. Yeah, the many bonus episodes that we've done, plus the archive of Church of Chill music episodes, that's all on patreon.com slash churchofchill. Get real with yourself. Join us. Join the community. Like, let's have a good fucking time. I think it's the best one out there. It's, it's pay whatever you want, so, you know. Oh, it is, yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, yeah, join us. And, uh. We'll see you on the next one. Peace, love, and magic, y'all.